0: 日本史学習に最高のリモトコイルサイトサムライアーカイブス Hey everybody, welcome back to the Samurai Archives
1: Podcast. And this is part two of our discussion on samurai families, houses, clans, names, etc.
0: One of the the things that Spafford starts his article off with is a house code um, by the Yuki house uh, that uh, says, like, as as one of the, the punishments for disloyalty, that the name of the disloyal, you know, if there's a disloyal subordinate, the name of that subordinate will be wiped out, uh, which doesn't just mean they're, they're going to take a, you know, an eraser and, uh, write him out of, out of their documents. I, I mean, it means it's going to kill all their descendants, uh, and, uh, and, and eliminate them as, you know, a, a, a continuing member of the corporate house, right? So, you know, Spafford's point with this is that the, the name you know, this is an example of not just, okay, we're going to punish you. It's we're going to wipe your name out as a symbol of how important the name was to uh, the samurai uh, and to, and that they're, you know, doing things for their name, having their name continue, having, you know, uh, future, future generations remember their name was so important to them that this was the punishment to completely get rid of your name.
1: Which is pretty brutal.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, I, I think so many times, like we look at it, you know, coming from where where, where we come from with our Western backgrounds and we think of, you know, eliminating your name and, and we focus on the whole, you know, killing of the family and the children and, and, and all, all that, which is bad in and of, its, of itself. His argument is that the, 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 the mentally worst part of that for them was that their names would not continue. And, and that, this is one example that he uses of how important the names were. And so then he, he later goes on, and we can go into this a little bit more. But that's why adoption was such an important uh, aspect of this, because it, even though you didn't necessarily have the same bloodline continuing, if you adopted an heir uh, and then that person took over the, the leadership of the house – the name continued because they would use your name. So then that and that's really what was important to them. It wasn't that you know this be my genes that are passed along uh, and, and remain in control. It was the, the name. And so I think you know that's one of those those things that different. If you look if I, if you go back to my example of Europe, you know well the English kings when it, when when they didn't have an heir or whatever, instead of you know the next king coming. You know, sailing in a boat over from Germany, not have, not speaking any uh, English, and and uh, but you know, oh well, they're the ones that got the blood, so we have to make them the king. Uh, how much How much easier would it have been if, if the English king could say, you know, I don't have any sons, kids of my own, but I'll adopt you, and you'll be the next king. Think how many wars in Europe could have been avoided this way. But uh,
1: yeah, the idea of uh, name is is kind of foreign in the western world i think because when you think about it just generally speaking for any given person who has daughters or or has no kids they're not thinking i need someone to carry on my family name that's that's not even really an issue i mean i I can't even imagine it being such a someone has four daughters and no sons I, i can't really imagine them in in the west anyway saying oh i need i need one of you girls to marry some guy and i'll adopt him and give him my name so that the name family name will continue
0: I, I certainly think you do see instances in the West, where uh, you know in Europe and so on, um, where where people are saying, you know, I want my family name to continue, or oh, of course you know, protect they do, the, but it's protect not, the uh... family name. But in that case, family name is synonymous with blood exactly. relation Exactly,
1: you, you know, you, there's you, no you got it. That was my point. Yeah.
0: Whereas, uh, you know, in, in in at least in the E.A. society of medieval Japan. Um, that, that wasn't, that, that wasn't the prime consideration. The prime consideration was actually by itself the name and blood consideration was important. I mean, in most cases you would have a blood relative, generally a son, uh, inherit as opposed to, you know, adopting someone, uh, if, if that was an option, uh, though, as Spafford points out in his article, sometimes there were sons related, you know, uh, Sons who were passed over in favor of an adopted heir uh, for a variety of reasons, mostly because you know the the, the daimyo or, whom, or or whoever was the the head of the uh, the house decided that the adopted heir was more capable of continuing the family name but that's so that 's like the perfect example of why of how it 's different because that would be a total like even if you could conceive of adopting in a western uh, noble house, and, and it would only be if you didn't have heirs to pass it on. Whereas Spafford points out a couple of examples of even though there was an heir, we had let you know the daimyo would adopt somebody else, uh, and they would pass on the family, you know, pass the name to them, and then they would uh, eventually take over as the next daimyo because they were the more capable or because it increased ties with with another family that the the person was adopted from uh and, and so i thought that was pretty interesting
1: yeah and it's even uh, it's still done uh i mean with, we get uh here in hawaii we get this uh, you know kiku channel and uh, they right, still right. they still run these reruns of this 20, 20 year old show Sokogashiritai. tai and uh <laughs> uh you know every now and then i'll catch that in a lot and every so often i'll have an episode something along the lines of like oh we've had this uh this inn or this uh noodle shop for Three hundred years, and my—I only had two daughters, so we we had two. One of our daughters uh, our, had a husband that we adopted in, and so that we we're able to continue the business. Right. You know, as right. if as if the business can only continue if there's a male heir to the the business. So it's pretty interesting that it, even today, or twenty years ago, it's, uh, <laughs> it's still going on in Japan. Well,
0: no, I would say that even continues that that continues now. I mean, many families. I I don't know. I'd say many, but I know that it it does still continue and i i've met one or two people who um the husband married into the family and then um changed instead of you know the spouse the, or the wife changing her name to match the husband the husband changed his name to match the uh his wife's family so that that the the wife's family would continue in terms of having a male uh quote unquote head of the household um so you know, specifically in cases where there were no, no sons, uh, if it was just daughters, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's usually where you hear about it in the context is, um, you know, yeah, the, the 300 year old noodle shop and they want to make sure that the next generation carries it forward, um, or an inn or, or something like that. Um, I think stores, uh, like the big stores like Mitsukoshi or, uh, you know, like that, that have, con- that have been in existence for, uh, hundreds of years or companies like Mitsubishi. Uh, you, I, I mean, I, I don't know specifically about those, but I know I have heard of stories like those where, you know, the, the company president, uh, didn't have a male heir to pass the head of the company to, down to. So he, you know, adopted a, a son to, to pass it to and, and so forth. So, yeah, it does continue in modern Japan, even though it's probably much less common today than it, than it was back in medieval times.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, as an extension of what we're talking about, it is also interesting that sometimes family names that had just sort of disappeared from history were, were taken on by, by newcomers later on or granted uh, right. to people. Uh, you know the the most common one is uh, the the Ise, uh, as in uh, Ise, I guess Uji, or uh, Hojo Son. Yes,
0: Ise Shinkuro Uji.
1: And so he or his son, anyway, took on the Hojo name uh, to to invoke the the I guess the memory of the the Hojo that were intertwined with the the imperial line, and which. I, I guess gives them an air of legitimacy themselves even though they're just these random people that took on the name um, right. and then you have other examples of uh, houses that were destroyed and disappeared and, and then were revived at some point maybe because the heraldic group was still around and maybe for whatever reason they either wanted to give someone a bump in prestige or they needed a way to organize this group uh, or what have you so they re- they revived a name with a collateral line or someone who wasn't necessarily even related to it uh, and uh basically given the 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 all the rights and privileges of that uh that previously extinct clan so it's it's pretty interesting the the concept of name as it is in japan
0: right or um you know like to use the example of uh Usugi Kenshin who of course was uh, prior to being adopted by the Usugi the the head of the Usugi was um was named Nagao uh, Kagetora and he managed to convince, uh, the, the head of the Yamanouchi branch of the Uesugi, uh, to adopt him, uh, and the reason he did so, uh, was so that he had the legitimate, a legitimate claim to the title of Kanto Kanre, uh, which was the, the shogunal deputy during the Motomachi period who, um, was, I guess, designated in charge of operations in the Kanto, like for administering the Kanto. I won't go into the details of its relationship with the Kanto Kubo and all all that stuff. That's for a separate time. But um, this is one of those cases of where, you know, you had to have the right name to be, to claim a certain title in order to have, you know, a claim to uh, power. Even if this, if, if the title was empty, it still gave you the prestige, right? Um, and so, in order to get that, you get yourself adopted into a family, so that you have the right house name to then have a claim at at this this title of authority. Um, another interesting case uh, to to illustrate that that uh, that Spafford doesn't really well he sort of mentions it in passing um, but one that I've always found fascinating is uh, is Hideyoshi uh, who after he reaches a certain level of national power in the in the wake of, of nobunaga's death he's looking for ways to uh, add legitimacy to his his power right and how better to get yourself incorporated into uh, an official power system than for you to have a courtier adopt you. Uh, and so he was adopted into the Fujiwara family, which then gave him access to the title of uh, Kampaku, which was the imperial region, right? So, you know, I mean, we may or may not have talked about this on the podcast before. I, I'm not sure, but, you know, most... Uh, because of pop culture, most people have in their heads this idea that the Shogun was the senior you know was that was the the highest rank you could achieve or whatever as as a samurai well and in some ways that 's not incorrect it, 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 it was because it was a purely samurai purely warrior uh, title um, and it was the one that was eventually chosen you know by the Tokugawa to cement their uh, sort of uh, government legitimacy but the title of Kampaku in terms of court rank is higher uh because it's a you know it it's, it goes back even further and it's uh um, higher in the original governmental structure right so uh, it actually has if if you if you just compare them in terms of court rank and uh and and legitimacy he actually bypassed and jumped over. The military system and went straight to, you know, the top by having himself having getting himself adopted into the Fujiwara family so he could take this title, um, which I, I've always found, you know, fascinating. Um, but yeah, that's that's another case where you had to have the right name in order to claim it, and and we see samurai um, daim- you know, daimyo um, throughout history. Uh, not just using their own family names, their own surnames, but reaching back to other more hit, more famous families that they or you know families in the past that they may be related to in order to kind of claim their uh, fame and legitimacy for themselves, you know whether it 's the Tokugawa uh, claiming Minamoto ancestry or um, you know Oda Nobunaga claiming uh, descent from the Taita uh and, and and so on you know many many times you'll see these daimyo sign letters using these the famous clan names uh instead of their own actual name that they are known by in order to kind of claim that legitimacy okay so a couple of the examples that uh, spafford uses in his article um interest me and, and so i wanted to just kind of elaborate on them uh, for the audience, is um, when it comes to uh, a- adoption, uh, he highlights two examples, the Mori family and the Hojo family. And I'll, I'll talk about the Mori first. Um, it's, of course, it's very well known, and much of our, our listeners will know that uh, you know, Mori Motonari, uh, as he was uh, rising to power in the Chugoku region of uh, Western Japan, that he had, you know, he had three sons, um, and he famously had his two younger sons uh, adopted into families, other families within the region. Uh, the, um,
1: um, Kikawa and,
0: uh, yeah, the Kikawa and yeah, the Kikawa and the and the Kobayakawa. You know, Kikawa. Uh, his son Motoharu was adopted into the Kikawa family, and his son Takakage was adopted into the Kobayakawa family. Uh, and, of course, his, his eldest son, Takamoto, uh, remained as the heir of the Mori family. Um, and, and this is interesting because this is a way to use adoption not necessarily to uh, provide continuity of your own house, but as a way to bind these other houses to your your own. Um, so they essentially what happens is, you know, he sent his sons to go be the heirs of their family, but um, instead of them then going being an independent and uh, heirs and 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 ruling their um, independent houses and not being connected, they stayed connected to uh, to their their father Moltinatti, and so it brought their these these two independent houses underneath the Mori as subordinate houses. So. It was almost as a way to kind of conquer these, these two other houses without fighting them. In addition – and, and Spafford doesn't mention this, but it was something that I, that I noted uh, as, he's, as he's talking about it. It was a way that he could prevent any succession disputes within his own family mm, because right. he, had, you know, he, had, he had these three sons. He actually okay, had a few and, more than
1: three sons, but well, okay.
0: But he, he had these, these the, the the these three sons, and instead of you know him dying and Takamoto succeeding as the head of the Mori, which didn't end up happening because Takamoto died before he did. Um, but anyway, um, but you know, instead of okay, Motonari dies, and now there's just this, this succession dispute because maybe one of the younger sons wants to fight the older son for. No now they 've been set up as the heads of their own houses- Indep- you know quote unquote independent houses, even though they 're still underneath the modi umbrella they're they 've got their own houses to be in charge of so I, I thought that was a really interesting method to kind of manage both bringing other houses underneath your umbrella and also managing you know potential areas of friction with uh, uh you know, in terms of succession disputes. So yeah, I, I thought and, that was really interesting.
1: Oh, yeah. And even even uh, in addition to being the heads of their own families, they're still subordinate to the Mori. So you right. sort of get the benefit of, of that subordination as well.
0: Right. Now, he also talks about um, the Hojo as well, uh, who do the same thing with uh, Hojo Ujikuni marrying into the Fujita house. And um, the and Hojo Ujiteru marrying into the Oishi house, and again, kind of bringing these families underneath the Hojo uh, banner, so to speak, by by marrying into them and then becoming, you know, the heirs to those to those families. So um, when he's talking about the Hojo, he, he talks about it in terms of you know what did the 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 individual family members uh ujiteru and uh and um uh uji kuni um did they go and see themselves did they see themselves as hojo and did they see themselves as you know the fujita or or oishi um and he so he tracks kind of how they signed letters uh in you know correspondence to different uh and that they moved back and forth between using these names and what he, what he finds what his conclusion is is that while they still uh remained underneath the Hojo family they did quite often use their adopted family names and and giving the impression of considering themselves um actual you know the actual head of this family uh as opposed to simply yep I'm you know Hojo Ujiteru, but I I'm, I'm going to go in and and actually uh yeah, I'm going to be part of this family, but really, I'm I'm doing it just purely for for the Hoja. So I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, one other. Oh yeah, okay. So one of the things that Spafford brings up towards the end of the article um, actually ties in well with uh, what we talked about in a previous in a, in a recent podcast with uh, Elijah Bender, uh, in that the. You know, he uses the term houseman but the the retainers of the uh of the house you know we talked about part of the shift to the ea is that uh these these indiv you know subordinate uh retainers uh are, are brought in and given a, a a larger kind of incentive to stay uh in the you know to to have a stake in the house right um and that's how they get they get brought in and and uh coerced to to participate well um he just he points out that a lot of the times when they had either succession disputes or um, you know uh, these decisions to adopt heirs, it, it wasn't necessarily coming from the Lord. It was coming from the the, the body of retainers uh, who had this stake in the corporate body, the corporate entity that was the EA, and wanted to see it continue in the best way. Maybe they didn't like the Lord, you know, the Lord's son. Uh, was perceived as kind of a a risky uh, risky bet as the next daimyo, uh, and so in order to for the benefit of the whole uh, the whole group, they they wanted to continue. You know, they or instead of the the designated heir or the obvious heir, they 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 pushed for somebody else to either be brought in as an ad- adoption or. Or one of the uh, collateral houses to be uh, named as the as the heir or something like that. So I thought that was interesting too.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, so I guess that about covers it of the the concept of the Ie and the, the name during the Sengoku period and and prior. But uh, you know, really, I think it, it the important thing to take away from it is the the whole concept of the name is is something uh, that um, isn't really apparent to you know someone from the West who who really hadn't experienced it, but the idea that uh, you need someone you need to continue the name and it has to be if not a family member it's got to be someone adopted because you've basically the idea that the name itself is an entity and it's not necessarily like you said earlier my 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 genetics are what must be propagated but it's my name must be propagated forward in time rather than my genetics which is sort of an interesting concept and then all of the everything that comes under that name which is the the lands the castle the the retainers the families everyone everyone who is supporting it and supported by it uh, are all counting on that name continuing. So it's sort of an interesting idea when you really look at it.
0: Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we've, I think we've done a, um, hopefully uh, the listeners find it. This is interesting as we do. It's one of these reasons. I mean, and I think we've talked about it before, but you know, as you go through uh, period documents or even uh, histories written later, and you just find the avalanche of names, um, that, uh, that, that even one person is described as, as 20 different names. This kind of gives a little bit of the insight into why names were changed. You know, even though your name is important, it's not so much that, that, you know, you, you would even, the way it's important is, is that, uh, is not that you want to maintain your name necessarily. Um, it, you may even want to trade up. Uh, names like kind of like we talked about Hideyoshi or, or or someone. I mean, you know, your name was important unless you had access or an opportunity to get a better name, and, and then you did so uh, because it bettered your situation. So yeah, no, I, I just I I hope people have found it interesting and and we explained it in a manner that uh, that made some sense, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll do this again sometime.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I, I don't know if we'll ever find a, a. I don't know if there's enough out there, but uh, you know, just the idea of of changing the first names as well, of the, the personal names, is is a whole other, completely unrelated ball of wax, as far as I can tell. Yeah, it's interesting. You'll, you'll always, if you look at a, a a dictionary of Japanese of samurai, there's always the list of between three and ten. <laughs> names that they were they were known by at various times in their life so it's it's kind of interesting to kind of look into why that is and what that's all about but yeah i think we pretty much covered everything so hopefully uh, like nate said uh, hopefully everyone found this as interesting as we did and feel free to send along any questions that come up all right and that's it for another episode we'll get back to you in about two weeks in the meantime, if you need to get a hold of us, please send any questions or comments to us on Twitter at Samurai Archives, or shoot us an email at SamuraiPodcast at gmail.com. And hey, while you're at it, be sure to subscribe, rate, and or review on iTunes. And also, if you want to get any of the books mentioned in this and all of our podcasts, head over to SamuraiPodcast.com and either use the links provided for the books available, or if you're going to do some other kind of shopping on Amazon, please use our Amazon link. Every purchase kicks a little back to us, and doesn't cost you a penny. It just takes it out of Amazon's pocket. Now, wouldn't it be better to put it here, into the podcast? Yes, it would. Anyway, hope you enjoyed this episode, and we will catch you again in about two weeks.